Hey guys, this is Scott, and welcome to the Ardella Training Podcast, episode number 194. The podcast has been on an incredible roll in recent weeks with so many great guests, and this week is no different. This week, my guest is Dr. Teresa Larson. Teresa is a physical therapist, former military officer, author, athlete, and performance expert. I'll tell you more about her in just a minute. And in this session, you'll hear some of Dr. Larson's amazing story, how she defines mental toughness with a specific example, and how she approaches pain and performance with some really breakthrough content in this session. Now, she has some very specific actionable closing advice that I took away and applied at the end of this session. So make sure to listen through to hear that great closing advice. I also want to mention before we get into the show, the latest article on Ardella Training is the three unbreakable rules for a resilient Turkish getup, where I share three simple rules to maximize your performance with the Turkish getup exercise. Be sure to check that out. And I'll have a link for that in the show notes for this episode. Also, if you have a question, guest suggestion, or anything at all, Go to the new community page at ardellatraining.com forward slash ask and post your question there. This is the fastest way to get in touch and to ask your questions. And I may even do a solo show coming up very soon to discuss your questions. Again, go to ardellatraining.com forward slash ask and post your questions there now. So with that, guys, let's jump into the episode this week with Dr. Teresa Larson. Enjoy the show. All right, guys, Dr. Teresa Larson is joining the show this week, and Teresa has an incredible background. And what I thought I would do here is just read a few of her highlights, and then we're going to get right into the conversation. So Dr. Teresa Larson received her doctorate in physical therapy. She's a former Marine Corps engineer, officer, and combat veteran. She was an All-American Division 1A softball player at Villanova University. In addition to being part of the staff at Mobility WOD, an instructor for CrossFit mobility courses, Dr. Larson is the author of the book Warrior. Teresa's mission is simply to help people achieve performance goals and tackle the why behind the body's movement inefficiencies. Again, Teresa, thank you so much for being here. And again, this is just a very streamlined version of your incredible background. So I thought that with the opening question, I would ask you, how have your incredible experiences shaped your your clinical approach? Um, well, Scott, thank you for having me on. Like I told you um, over email, I've, I've followed your podcast and listened to it quite a bit. Um, so it's, uh, it's great to be, uh, to be a guest. Uh, basically <laughs> the, my experience as a professional athlete and collegiate athlete, as well as Marine shaped my interest of mobility and movement and learning more about it. Uh, because quite frankly, um, the strength and conditioning at my college was subpar and, uh, I didn't know that at the time, but when I look back, I'm like, oh, geez, <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> right. And then when you look at just Marine Corps fitness in general as an officer, um, trying to keep these guys in line, plus 
plus training them. And oh, by the way, how are they taking care of their tissues? That wasn't even a focus. Um, and so I, after I got out of the Marine Corps, with all of that athletic experience and Marine Corps experience, um, and then I played a year of softball in Italy, which the, you know, Italy is a, is a very competitive league for softball, especially in the off season of the professional leagues of the U.S. and Australia. But like their training also is just extremely subpar. And I just, I got really tired of that. Just tired of like poor coaching, movement coaching, poor strength and conditioning programs, I oftentimes would just do my own thing and I would get in trouble, of course, <laughs> right. um, for doing my own thing. And so, you know, getting out of the Marine Corps, there's you probably, for those of you listening who have veteran friends, the transition's tough. Like you just, you know, you, you, you're tied to this service and you have a sense of duty. And then what's next? Who's your next tribe? Like, what are you going to do? And I just, I floundered quite a bit, but I realized, you know, my father was kind of instrumental in helping me find, okay, well, you know, you need, you need a, 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 you need a license, like get a, get a license in something medical, you know, like go to school, go back to school and do some prereqs and like, see if you want to go chiropractic or physical therapy or osteopathic or be a doctor, um, a regular medical doctor. Um, and that's where physical therapy kind of, um, screamed at me as a good place to go because, I could do the strength and conditioning and the movement coaching um, and kind of, you know, I saw a problem in college. I saw a problem in the Marine Corps. I saw a problem professionally as a professional athlete. And that that profession, I felt like could help fix it the most. So I went to PT school and, and here I am. Um, however, I can't say that PT, traditional PT is for me. I lasted like six months in a regular clinic. Okay. Um, it was a sports <laughs> clinic um, here in San Diego, and I just couldn't, could not work for somebody anymore. Right. <laughs> just, <Wow. laughs> I, I mean, I say that candidly, but it's yeah. true. Like I just, it was like office space, but in the PT world. And I just, and I know every PT clinic is different, but I couldn't, sure. I just, it, my personality, it just doesn't fit. Like I need to do my own thing. I need to create my own way. I wanted to treat patients the way I felt they deserved. I was seeing like three patients an hour. I felt like a ping pong ball. Right. And it just wasn't cool. So yeah. my husband and I, um, <laughs> my husband and I were like, okay, you're going to do your own thing. This is enough. <laughs> so thankfully I'm, I'm love doing CrossFit and I love training and we felt like that would be a good place for me to start. Like gym owners were very welcoming of me. Um, I became friends with Kelly Starrett and started making connections um, with other thought leaders and started my own practice, which was really awesome. Awesome. So, so you mentioned Kelly. So I was going to ask you, you know, who have been the big influences on your, your own approach to movement and mobility and performance? Well, so the first one is, yes, Dr. Kelly Starrett. He, I mean, he very much took me under his wing and was like, I know you're not going to like the regular PT world, you know, and I have another way. And so I literally went up to San Francisco CrossFit and trained up there and worked with him for a couple of weeks and then just kept in touch and, um, you know, eventually ended up teaching his course with, for him with a few other PTs. And so he very much influenced me being independent because he's like, you can totally do this. 
it's worth it. Don't be scared of it. You know, um, you have what it takes type thing, which is what I needed encouragement. Um, and the, so another thought leader who I became, came in touch with because of Kelly was Jill Miller. Um, she does the yoga tune up, but you know, she's a well, you know, world renowned yoga instructor, but she uses the soft, you know, the yoga tune up balls to help people, uh, manage their soft tissue and eliminate pain, improve performance, all that kind of stuff. And she's a total nerd on fascia. And I just really <laughs> loved, I love listening to her and meeting her. She's actually become a very good friend. And just because she's so passionate, so self-studied and, um, understands the body so well. And, uh, so, and she has what, what attracted me to her too. And even after meeting Kelly was they teach you ways to help yourself. So they're, they're putting the, the ball in your court. I'm giving you information on how to help your body. So do it. <laughs> I'm not going to hold your hand, do it. And I, I'm very much that way. I think that's maybe part of the Marine in me. It's like, I'm not going to fix you. I'm going to help you fix yourself. I love it. Yeah. And so that was, you know, that was a, those were two, two individuals that I kept in touch with and followed. And um, I mean, in terms of other pieces of my clinical practice, like one of my professors, I have a mentor um, from my university who kind of was the only one who was just like, what are you doing? Like, I want to, I'm very interested in what you're doing. It's very different. And she just like kept up with me and we got together and practiced together. And she kind of, because I didn't have a mentor in my, when I started my practice, she became that mentor. Um, Karen Leva is her name. And she just was kind of like my satellite mentor that I would use when I was, cause I started my PT practice less than a year out of school. Um, and so she, that was really awesome. Like she was there, like when I had patient questions and could send her information, MRIs, x-rays, whatever, you know, crazy questions I had. So yeah, those are the three integral people. Um, and of course my husband who was just like, you gotta, you gotta work for yourself. You gotta do it. I'm going to help you on the business side. He's a businessman. So sure. gotta have that. Um, <laughs> you know, you gotta, it takes a village. No doubt. No but, doubt. but to be honest too, Scott, like I, in PT school and when I got out, like the first fitness podcast I started listening to was yours. And wow, so Stuart you. McGill and Gary Gray and, um, Stuart McGill is the man yeah, and I, yeah. he's very introverted and I get it. So, so am I, but I just, <laughs> you know, listening, listening to these people on your podcast, even before I met Kelly was just like, okay, this is there is another way. Like I don't have to just focus on the PT side. I can focus on the strength and conditioning side and there is a niche there. And I think Kelly just helped me put them together. Sure. So, so you mentioned what you're doing somewhere in there. You said what you're doing is, is different. So what is different about what, what you do, how you approach, uh, rehabilitation, injury prevention, performance, um, so, you know what I would say, so how I approach it is that, I mean, I run a PT company, a human performance company now, and we look at, so we look at the whole person. I know that's kind of a, so cliche, like a lot of clinics are like, we focus on the whole person, but really like, I mean, being a veteran, I know when I can see mental struggle, 
And most people in our country struggle mentally. So when someone comes in, I spend an hour with them or more. Um, I have a patient that has come from Australia to work with me. I'll spend three hours at a time with her. But what is different is that I'm not just looking at the physical. I'm looking at what kind of tribe are you a part of? We need tribes as human beings. How's your mental state? Like, what do you do to de-stress? Most of the first few sessions with somebody is just focused on improving their breathing pattern. And like that alone helps decrease some chronic pain as well as improve performance, as you know. Um, But it's very much, I feel like it's kind of like a life coaching slash movement practice is maybe what, how I would describe it to people. Um, Because, I mean, I've been through myself, I've been through so much too. And I don't want people to ever think, oh, Teresa's arrived. She's there. She's good. No, like I, I want people to know that like I, I developed these skills and learned these nuggets along the way that have helped me with my mental health as well as my physical health. And sure, I'm going to give you a program to help your movement impairments, you know, the parts in the whole. But I'm also going to make sure that mentally you're being taken care of too. And I'm not your psychologist, but there are wellness things that you can do on a daily basis to keep that anxiety lower, that depression lower, um, and to really start living the life you want to live. So I knew this was going to happen with the interview with you. I knew that there was going to be a hundred different directions (laughs) I wanted to go in. Sure, And you just said a lot of different things. But I'm going to pull this back in. I'm I'm going to go back to what you said about the breathing pattern. And and believe me, seriously, there could be 10 questions off of the things that you just said that I could go in and ask about. But let me go back to the breathing pattern. And I just want to ask that question. What, What do you do specifically to improve someone's breathing pattern when you start to work with them? So, I mean, the first thing is getting them, um, from standing up, I lay them down because I want to see, you know, I can already see how they're breathing, just talking to me when they first come in and depending on where their pain area is. I mean, usually most people are, have a dysfunctional breathing pattern, but I lay them down and I let them, I either keep them in hook line with the knees bent or legs straight. And I just have them breathe for a minute for me and I watch them. Okay. I'll ask them to maybe take a couple deep breaths, but I just want to see is the, the air going just into their chest are they getting a lot of chest expansion? Are they getting little chest expansion? Are they getting any air into, you know, the belly area um, or the lower lungs, I should say? Are they able to fill the belly up first? Like what fills up first, basically? Sure. And um, a lot of the breathing type training I've done is through Jill Miller, but also through the Post Restoration Institute. So I'm a big fan of the PRI. Sure. Um, yeah. It's not the only thing I do with people, but it is sometimes the start most times to start what I do with them. And so by getting them away from standing or sitting position, laying them down gets them more relaxed. So then I can start to look at how they breathe uh, and then actually start coaching them on proper breathing. And they, so they don't have to worry about sitting up straight, standing up, working against gravity. And I basically just start with them oftentimes feet up on a chair or a bench while they're laying down. So they're comfortable. Um, I have their hand on their belly, hand on their chest, and I have them kind of proprioceptively or tact, you know, give them a tactile cue. Okay. I want you to feel the, feel the belly up first. 
and then the chest and then just let it go with the breath go. So that's, you know, teaching them more parasympathetic state type breathing, trying to rest and digest, not worrying about creating tension anywhere yet. Just, okay, let's get and get you in a pattern of instead of filling up the chest first, let's fill up the belly first. Um, and then when we start to get into, all right, you're, you experience back pain or you experience a side pain or whatever it is, let's, let's, let's get your posterior chain activated just a little bit. Let's get it fired up. So have them kick into the chair a little bit that neutralizes their pelvis, draw their ribs down. What does that even mean? Can their ribs get flush with their abdomen? Um, but without really engaging all of their abs. So the point is like pelvis neutral rib cage down, but without activating every single abdominal muscle in your front. And so that alone takes time, right? Because people right. are just, they, they oftentimes don't know how to dissociate pelvis from back to abdominals to rib cage. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I start. So, it, well, let, let me also <laughs> ask that. That's great. That's great. Basically it comes down to positioning, observ- Position. yeah. observation, and then teaching. How do you pull through good breathing patterns? Is it a, it's, imagine it's a, just a continuous process where you're observing how they breathe and ensure. Yeah. So you have to, it's a practice. The biggest thing in life, I think that anyone can take away is consistency. It's a new skill for a lot of people. It's a new skill for me. Um, when I first started, um, doing CrossFit, but also, um, just when I first started doing meditation, biofeedback. Um, that really told me I was really jacked up with my breathing and, um, wasn't actually able to access the parasympathetic state, which is the rest digest state. I was, you know, there's too much tension in my body that I was holding. And the breath is the one thing that can really decrease that excessive muscle tension as well as decrease anxiety. So you can calm your mind through your body. And so I saw the, the, the breath as a tool, a pathway for many things, but it does take time. So like I usually, you know, the first session with somebody will be on looking at their breath, teaching them belly to chest, and then getting them a little bit of activation in that posterior chain and just practicing breathing, holding that position for two, three minutes. I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's it. Two or three minutes. Sometimes it'll be depending on the person and what they come, you know, what their lifestyle is like. I'll have them do three sessions of one minute a day. So they're doing throughout the day, they're getting in one minute of breathing three times. Um, So they just fit it into their day. They learn how to like start to take breaks and fit it in. Um, But it does take time. I mean, they say it takes 21 days to develop a new habit. Well, I think it, it, for a lot of people, especially this is a complex habit and you have to consciously think about it. Think if you want to change, you have to conscious, be conscious of it. So when you're breathing in the car, when you're at home, when you're stressed out, it helps to have some, some kind of visual. You're not always going to have tactile cues to remind you how to breathe, but here's one little tidbit for you guys is like, you can put stickers around the house just some random, maybe like smiley face stickers. Seriously, goofy <laughs> with it, but put them around the yes. house. So whenever you see that sticker, check in. Are you breathing through the belly first? You just well, know. Well, I like that idea. Because, I mean, it's it's a trigger. I mean, that's really yeah. what it is. And it was a smiley face or anything at all. Some kind of trigger. <laughs> 
that's going to, you're going to look at that and you're going to know that that means to breathe properly. It's the awareness, you know, the mindfulness type thing. So. Yeah. And that's, so that's the key, Scott, is that, so there's lots of different ways we go with the breath training. I mean, we get people who come in who are big lifters, always lift. They're always an extension. I mean, that's how we live when we lift, but like, you know, okay. So I still start the mouth parasympathetically, but then, all right, let's, let's get your diaphragm more lined up with your pelvic floor so you can create more intra-abdominal pressure. Cause right now you're lifting, you know, a lot, a lot of weight, um, excuse me, I almost slipped. Um, but normally, uh, you lift a lot of weight, but you could lift so much more <laughs> if you actually know how to neutralize your spine. So, so gr- breathing is really that critical first step in performance training. And I'm, I'm really it is. And it's also a critical thing in our life. Like that's why I think I, our approach, well, I know our approach is a much more um, life coaching type because it's, uh, it's the key. And I mean, I don't, I have struggled with anxiety in my life and depression and I don't want to take medication. I want to do things that are good for my body, like movement and breath work is huge. I mean, cause there's so many stressors you come across in life. Um, whether it's running your own business, right. Or patient care or family. And, you know, instead of getting riled up about things, you know, I know that if I can just spend two to three minutes breathing, it will slow my mind down because it's going to slow my body down. So it definitely will slow my mind down and I'll make better decisions. Um, in a workout, if I'm more efficient with my breath, that means I'm going to be able to work a little bit longer, I'm going to be more efficient. We're going to, we're going to talk about the low back pain here in just a minute. But before we get into that, I, there was one question that I, I really did want to ask you. And, and that really goes back to your, your background. And it's a question that someone asked me recently, and I thought it was perfect for you. But the question is around mental toughness. So I'm curious, wow. how, do you, how do you define mental toughness, if you don't mind me asking that question? That's a very good question, actually. Uh, so I define mental toughness as being able to take any situation and pick the battles of that situation, fight the battles that are necessary and keep pushing forward no matter what. That's it. Like, it's great. It's, there's no mental toughness is, it doesn't mean you don't cry. It doesn't mean you don't get hurt. It doesn't mean you don't have that strong human emotion of even hate or dislike for somebody, or like, I hate this experience. This totally sucks. Oh my gosh, I can't believe to do this. But the toughness part is you just keep going no matter what. And you're able to say, okay, to the naysayers, I'm not going to listen to you, or I don't need to focus on this right now. I'm going to push this aside for later. You're just, you're able to keep pushing forward. I love that definition, and I wish I had given that answer that you just gave. <laughs> well, <laughs> really, you know, I think it's a lot better said, than what I said. <laughs> I'm sure uh, what you said is fine. I mean, you have it's authentic to you. Like I, yeah. I think I I relate that answer comes from my own life. Just like you know, people people have always looked at me as a strong, physically strong woman, and I am more proud of my mental strength than my physical. Um, and and it's because of just pushing through really, really hard times. <laughs> it's just like when all you want, you want to do is give up. And sure. it's like, no, you just keep pushing. And I still deal with that in business, dealing with good people, bad people, 
It's like you just keep pushing forward because those people, if you let them in and you give them, you let them have power or let that situation empower you, then you're going to be defeated. You just, so it's that ability to rise to the top and just keep going. Kind of a follow-up to that question too would be, what would be one of the, what would be an example of a situation for you where you really had to endure mental toughness? I was going to ask what's the, the biggest challenge you ever had to face, but I, yeah. let, me, let me just add just for a example of when you really had to demonstrate mental toughness. Well, so <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, um, the first one, uh, well, one of the big ones was that I wrote about in my book, Warrior, was um, getting medevaced from Iraq. So I was a Marine officer and and I just... I had, I struggled with a uh, food addiction. I was, I was, I had bulimia, a little bit of anorexia. Um, you would never, you would look at me and you'd never know it. I was always, you know, did the things that were right, looked perfect, acted the part, um, didn't screw around. And yet when I was deployed, I was doing very intense things, which are awesome. All the things I did in Iraq were awesome. I wrote about them my experience, they were great people, but I, I had to make a choice. I mean, as I'm out on convoys and as, as my disease got worse and worse, um, and it is a disease, I couldn't, I, I couldn't clearly be present with leading a convoy of a hundred Marines. I couldn't clearly be present in a war zone, which is not a good thing. Right. <laughs> and it kind of sucks going to your office, your, your superior saying, um, I have a problem. I have an, I have, I, I think I have a disorder and I, I, I feel like someone is going to get hurt because of me if I don't, if we don't do something about it. Right. And it really sucks, especially because the, the Marine Corps doesn't know there, there are a few women in the Marine Corps, but eating disorders actually are not uncommon. They just aren't talked about. And I, mine got pretty bad, um, to the point where I almost passed out on a convoy. Like that's just not, not good. And I, I had to speak up and say, I need to go home. I need to get help. I did not want to leave Iraq. I didn't want to leave my men and women. There's no, of course I didn't sign up for that. I, I didn't, I didn't want this disease. I didn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't not be perfect. And for the first time in my life, I was like, I have to give up everything I worked for, go home and get help because someone is going to get hurt. Yeah. And to include myself potentially, because it wasn't like I was sitting behind a desk. So I was doing engineering work and landmine clearing and insurgency work. So I just, um, that really, that really sucked. And coming home, I literally, I couldn't hold my head high. I tried, but I couldn't because my whole self-esteem revolved around my performance and looking the part and being the part. And I just, I just had to keep going though. Like I had my father there. I mean, my father wasn't present with me the whole time, but you know, we were very close. I, we lost, he lost his wife when he was, when I was pretty young, my mom, and we were pretty close. And just like, I had to just keep going, even though each day it felt like people looked at me like I was, I was a disappointment. Yeah. Like what's wrong with this woman? She used to be so perfect. And now she, she's home. What if she knocked up? You know, it, it was really amazing how the tides turned so quickly 
And I just had to keep going and fight for, um, I got an honorable discharge, but I had to, I had to get out and there was no other, you know, there was no option for me. Uh, I was just got to get out. And, um, so that was tough. And I just had to keep facing adversity each day. And I think that alone, you know, and for the first time I had to like really look at myself in the face and say, who are you? Like, what do you want in your life? Do you want to just be this seemingly perfect human being who does no wrong? Or do you really want to get to know who you are and be goofy, <laughs> be okay with being goofy? And who cares if you gain a little weight? And and it, it honestly wasn't just about that or the food. It was the fact that I just didn't know how to handle these major stressors at a 20, at, a, at the age of 22, 23. Yeah. Wow. I just, I just, I knew how to be a captain of the softball team, you know, and a platoon commander in garrison. But when it came to a war zone, there was different stressors there and I could handle them just fine on the outside. But on the inside, it was just like life was, my soul was being pulled, you know, taken from me is what it felt like. And so, yeah, that was the hardest time in my wow. life. Wow. And I pulled through it, but I know, and that's kind of why I wrote that book. I actually keep in touch with a lot of my Marines now and um, have a very good memory of the Marine Corps. Created them, the memories I have are amazing. I just really struggled at times. And Warrior is, not a, is about like that human struggle. Like I know other people out there have eating disorders, and they just, and, and society doesn't know what they look like. It's, I mean, the, the biggest comment I would get is, what's your problem? Like, why can't you just go? Is it, is it the fact that you can't go out to eat? Is it brownies? You know, it's like, well, <laughs> right. let me tell you, there's a little bit more to it than that. But, yeah. you know, it, it, when my, when people read the book um, and they learned, they actually saw what it was like, it's like having a drug addiction, you just want more and you keep wanting more because it feeds that pleasure center in the brain. And although food isn't a drug you get in, in trouble for, it's around you everywhere. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was, wow. <laughs> that was the hardest period <laughs> of my life so well, far. Well, thanks for sharing that. I really, yeah. really appreciate that. And um, I mean, it really, the example goes back to what you said earlier about the definition which is taking any situation, fighting the battle, and keep moving forward. So what you just said in your story was exactly how you defined it when, when I asked you that question in the beginning. Yeah. So, um, so thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. Now, okay, so now we're going to shift into a completely different topic and talk yeah. about uh, low back pain. And so let me ask you this to, to start off this topic. How often are you working with the low back pain patient slash client? So I, when I was in my practice working most days, so right now guys, I'm in my third trimester of pregnancy, so I'm not treating <laughs> for a couple more months, right, right. <laughs> um, but mostly every day I saw like, I would say 60 to 70% of my patients had some kind of hip, sacroiliac, low back issue. And so, um, yeah, it's pretty common. And I, too, have struggled with sacroiliac joint issues, um, having been a softball player and like a pitcher using one side, one side, developing one side super strong and then and being, you know, compensating so much because one side is overdeveloped. And when I go and do things like jujitsu or CrossFit, it's my body 
isn't balanced or wasn't balanced. So I experienced tremendous sacroiliac joint issues, um, which stemmed from my low back. So I became very passionate about that area. How is your back today? Yeah. So before I became a PT and I got the, when I got out of the Marine Corps, um, so I, you know, like I said, they don't teach you about positioning and whatnot. You just load a bag on a big pack on your back, saw on your front, wear combat boots when you're doing obstacle work. I mean, it's great. But when I got out of the Marine Corps um, and having been a pitcher for 15 years where you're dominating on one side, and I actually slowed down. Um, I was doing a little bit of jujitsu. I guess it's kind of slowing down jujitsu and Muay Thai. Um, these imbalances really, pull, they were pulled out. So it was like I developed them over time. And then all of a sudden, my sacral iliac joint, like I strained some ligaments or sprained some ligaments in my sacral iliac joint. But I also, of course, on an MRI, I said I had um, some bulge discs, which weren't of significant range. But at the time, I didn't know that. Of course, I freaked out, as everyone does. You know, it's like, ah, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I need to do something about it. And there were times when I literally had a hard time walking because the SI joint issues were pretty bad. And so, and I, the, the interesting thing is I did experience on and off SI pain in, in PT school and really none of the professors could really tackle why it was happening. Um, and so I, through Kelly's work, I kind of started to do self-exploration and I realized, wow, my rotation on both of my hips is way off. I actually have decreased right glute strength more than my left because my pelvis is very dominant. I'm very right patterned. I mean, I could go into all the details of all of my impairments, right. but I basically <laughs> figured them out from just self-experimentation and then having, you know, guiding my PTs on how to help me and then also help myself. But I have been very passionate about the pelvis and low back because it is the center of our universe. And if the pelvis is jacked up, it, it sucked. There's four months where I like literally had a hard time walking because of my pelvis. If you had to so. say the number one thing that you attribute your back health to today, what, what is that thing? Um, so what I attribute my back health to is getting, learning the neutral spine, I would say, and understanding neutral spine and everything I do. So you can go into layers of that. Sure. Um, when I'm carrying a pack, you know, like a big, heavy backpack, if we go backpacking, like what is my rib cage and pelvis doing? Right. If my rib cage and pelvis are lined up neutral, like most likely I'm going to be able to utilize my glutes a little bit more effectively. My breathing will be more effective. Even with doing CrossFit, just even though I still have these mobility issues I'm working on because it takes time to build that plasticity, I, I still am very much conscious of am I able to maintain neutral spine from the start of the position to the end of the position? And if I'm moving so fast, I can't, then I don't move so fast. <laughs> um, but I do. So the neutral spine position is huge, like just understanding that. And, and there, the neutral spine is kind of a relative term too. like everyone's spine is a little bit different. Right. So um, that ensured that no matter what movement I do, whether I'm going to pick up you know, like part of a Jersey barrier or a laundry basket or a de I'm deadlifting, I'm sumo deadlifting. I'm in a neutral spine position. Um, but the other component 
to me helping my back pain has been just working on pelvic uh, hip mobility, my hip mobility. So I haven't worked a lot of my low back itself because that's where the, that's kind of where the top of the pelvis and, and low back is where the pain is, bottom of the low back. But where that pain is isn't where the problem is. Like my hips are so different left to right mm-hmm. in terms of rotation, even flexion and extension. And so I focus my self-care techniques on that. Um, and so I use a lot of MWAD stuff and PRI to treat that. But just, I, I would say in a nutshell, neutral spine and then like taking that five to 10 minutes a day of just doing some self-care on my hip joints, because those are the ones that are, that's the biggest movement impairment yeah. or mobility impairment I have. Sure. Just curious. So your five to 10 minute mobility movement mobility program that you do Mm -hmm. each day, does that vary or are you pretty set in what you do for your hip, um, I guess, issue? No, it's pretty, it's pretty set. I like to be consistent. I mean, there's so many videos out there. Um, it depends on where I'm at and the tools I have, but I'm always working on, um, better internal rotation on my left side, improved external on my right side. Um, I'm, I'm working on the soft tissue of the glute specifically more on the left side. Cause it's kind of stuck in, it can get stuck in external rotation. Those tissues can get pretty tight. Um, I don't do a lot of anterior hip work. Um, in general, I find when I do a lot of the posterior work and around the joint itself, it, that actually resolves itself. Um, and I do thoracic so I, I, because the thoracic spine, I'm very, I'm six one. So, um, <laughs> I, my, my thoracic spine, yeah. I would say is, I mean, it's you know, on a, the SFMA test and FMS, like I do pretty, I move pretty well, like I have good mobility, but it gets stiff. So in my hips, I'm working to improve range of motion in my hips. Simple as that. In my thoracic spine, I work with the yoga tuna balls there because they're softer than lacrosse balls and that's where your repair your sympathetic nervous system is and i just i kind of take on the jill miller like self-care self-soothe approach there because after a long day that area gets stiff or it feels stiff it not it isn't necessarily stiff um but it needs some self-care so i just work on the fascia around the spine so your mobility it's pretty much the same every day. Yeah. I was going to ask timing. So you do that at the end of the day? Yeah. End of I the prefer day. to do it at the end of the day because most of it's down regulatory. It's soft tissue work. Um, and it helps me get ready for bed for sleep. Got it. Got it. Um, I do, of course, if I'm training, I'll do general like banded stuff for my hips. I'll do like a banded lateral distraction, I might do some, even some Jefferson curls. I'll, I always, I do a lot of kettlebells now, which you'd like. Nice. <laughs> um, I don't do a lot of barbell work now being pregnant. Cause I just, sure. I, I actually really like kettlebells no more. I, I'm a huge fan doing unilateral work, all that stuff. But yeah. I try to just look at whatever workout I'm doing and do some, usually it revolves around opening up my shoulders a little bit and, um, my hips. I'll use bands to do that before I train. What one final question about your mobility program. So you said you like to do it kind of before bedtime. Do you find that it helps with sleep? Yes. Really? Okay. Oh yes. Interesting. So the, because I'm doing soft tissue work 
and um, it's getting into that. I'm, I'm getting deep into, so when I mobilize, I don't just mobilize. I, two minutes is good, is a good standard, but I stay there until the tissue, you know, goes from tender to, to not tender, basically. It feels more like pressure. Um, I don't just move on. I don't just have like my timer on for two minutes. I like literally try to stay in one area until yeah. that discomfort goes away. It's kind of like a um, Maitland approach. You just work it until <laughs> so the nervous system's like, all right, yeah. <laughs> done. Nice. Feels better. So, but yes, it does because it's, it takes me to a par- parasympathetic. So my tissues, it takes me physically yeah. to a parasympathetic state. Mentally, I have to be, I have to just be patient. And so before I go to bed, you know, usually your body starts to ache if you haven't done anything or you maybe you've worked out or you've sat all whatever it is, you go to bed, you start to ache. Well, it's, you know, the doing soft tissue work helps eliminate some of those um, stiff tissues, gets blood flow going. Um, it gets your, your nervous system calming down. Um, and then your body is like ready to, you're usually not ready to work out after a session of soft tissue work. You're ready to go take a nap. So that makes sense. Makes yeah. Sense. Do it with some yeah. candles on too. And then <laughs> that's better. Right. Don't, you know, the don't put on the bright blue lights. Yep. Yep. I get it. So, all right. So digital rehabilitation, what is that? And what are you, what are you up to in this, in this area? Yeah. So because I'm not treating now and I, I knew this was coming, obviously it's nine months in the making. Um, I, I, I've been working with a colleague, a strength coach, Anders Varner, on this digital program and slowly but surely implementing my, you know, talking to my PTs about it because the, the low back fix program has been very successful so far and has catched a lot of, caught a lot of steam. But I developed it because I knew that in my life, like I love to present, um, I love to be able to travel and running just a PT practice um, is hard because you have to be there all the time. And I just, you know, through working with Kelly, working with Jill and knowing what I know, I'm like, well, I can, I can actually help someone with the majority of their impairments through giving them good movement guidance, really good progressions, actually very slow progressions, but very solid progressions with a little bit of movement and stability work, whether depending on what they need. So we developed a program called the low back fix, which basically takes them through, you know, someone signs up for it, they will, I'll send them, we'll send them videos on their initial assessment. They basically go through a seven part assessment where they, they test themselves. So no longer is the PT testing them, they're testing themselves and they're being more mindful about, oh, am I bending over and touching my toes, bending my knees, or am I not bending my knees? Can I get on, get on and off the ground without using my hands? Can I stand on one foot? Eyes closed for 30 seconds. Um, I made some of the tests kind of hard for people, uh, but rightly so. And and uh, because I'm looking for an optimal range of motion and movement, I'm not looking for excessive. I'm not looking for too little, you know. And so if you have so basically from this assessment, if they score, if they, you know, they get a score and if they have basically a, um, a lower score, they follow a track where they work on more mobility, but that mobility lot, they take 10, 15 minutes a day and they 
then we run them through a movement retraining program, all of which are teaching you how to squat with a neutral spine, activate your transverse abdominis, of course, with other key muscles of your abdominant, uh, you know, your midline. Um, we're just kind of teaching you basic movements again. But like we have huge competitors on the program who are just like, I've, I haven't had to slow down, slow down like this in years, but it's actually like making me more mindful. And I was like, well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you score on the assessment, like your excessive range, like everything is just, you just flop everywhere. Um, you follow it more of a stability track where you're actually not stretching. You, you shouldn't be stretching. You should be doing more. Well, everyone's doing breath work on this program, but you'll be doing more tension building type stuff and activation drills. And you also follow a program to that's very progressed, you know, very efficiently progressed. So you're not feeling like, wow, I just jumped from, you know, doing a 26 pound kettlebell sumo deadlift to now my one rep max, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, there's, there's a, it's a slow progression, but that's what makes it so effective because people are forcing good habits in people. We're forcing them to focus and be mindful. And so it's taken, you know, the last nine months basically to build these videos and we still have to film the last 10 weeks because we're still in our first year of it. But um, it's been fun because, you know, First of all, you got to be good on camera and educating people. And it's just really nice to have a program that, you know, even if you're seeing a chiropractor or a PT, it's like, well, I'm also following the low back fix program, which any PT or chiropractor would love. Like they would love the progressions. They would love the drills. Um, if you didn't, then, well, sorry, <laughs> but it's uh, I think any practitioner would love the fact that their athlete was taking the initiative to do something like this in conjunction with therapy. Got it. So this is, and again, this is not just for the low back pain patient. It's for, for the athlete. Yeah. So this is for someone. So it's called the low back fix. If you struggle with, if you feel like you um, have a really hard time improving, you're seeing plateaus in your lifts and you just, you don't even know what I'm talking about here at the neutral spine. Like when I'm talking about these things in breath work, then this is a program for you. Yeah. If you are experiencing low back pain, sacroiliac joint pain, hip pain, um, breathing dysfunction, then this is the program for you. Like if you really want, so if you're someone who really wants to make a change in your life, like you've common thing is, well, I've been experiencing back pain for 10 years and now I'm doing something about it. Do something about it. Like, this program, you don't have to think too much. You do have to be mindful of what your body does, but it's a four day a week commitment. Every day is a little bit different, but appropriate progressions. You're only going to spend 45 minutes to an hour on it. And, um, it it's, it's there to empower you to be better for the rest of your life. Like you're going to learn skills sure. that are going to help you for the rest of your life. And it's going to add life to your years. Yeah. So it goes back to, and I think we talked about this before we even started the uh, interview session here, but it's kind of, you know, empowering people and having people take their own movement, pain, rehabilitation, performance into their own hands, you know, giving them the tools to optimize their potential. So I love it. Yeah. And it's fun. And I think it's very, you know, revolutionary in a lot of ways. Like, 
I kind of fell into it a little bit because I'm like, well, yep, I'm going to have to stop treating here. I don't have to, but it's just awkward. I'm a manual therapist and I like, you know, putting my hands on people. And um, when your stomach is, you can't even see your shoes anymore. Like it's just not fun. So I kind of, and my coaching friend, he, he's super motivated and has a very strong work ethic and that, and that, so he's easy to work with on this. He just doesn't stop. It's like, okay, this is great. This is the kind of person you want to be by your side. He just goes after it, has a goal, thinks big picture. Like we want to reach lots of people and we want to empower lots of practitioners to also like create something too and put it on our platform. Like we have a, we have a very tried and true platform that works and um, we'd love to be able to support other PTs. Like we have, we're going to be building an affiliate program. It's not built yet, but like, let's say um, a chiropractor or an osteopath, like likes the program, believes in it and they want their patient back pain patients to do it. Um, then they would be an affiliate yeah. and they could earn, earn some of the money from it, sure. but, but essentially take ownership as well. So where do people go to find out about this? So people can go to the lowbackfix.com. Pretty simple. Got it. Yeah. And if people want to learn, so there's some PTs out there who want to see about our, look at our practice. It's movement-rx.com. Um, we've got our good information, lots of free videos up on the work we do with adaptive athletes as well as, you know, the average Joe. Um, so yeah, check it out. Excellent. Now, so I know we're up against the clock here and we're approaching our time for the session. A couple more quick questions here and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. And I I think this has been really great, by the way, we covered a lot and, um, you know, I think people are going to get a ton of value out of this session for sure. But a standard question that I ask, and we talked about your book, Warrior, what's a book that has had an impact on you the most? What's a book that's had the most impact on me? Yeah. Is there that's one really book, maybe? Yeah. One of your favorites? Um, what's my favorite book? Well, um, so it's a good question. A book that did have a strong influence on me um, in my transition in the Marine Corps was A Purpose Driven Life. Like it just, it, I, I'm not extremely religious, but I, I did feel it gave me guidance in my life. Um. And I, so that I appreciate that. Um, another book, I think that in terms of inter- personally, personally yeah. helping me in my life, that would be the main one yeah. at the moment. I mean, I don't, I'm reading a book right now that I think is very awesome. And I think most women should read it. It's called Moody Bitches. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I'm, I say that from a standpoint of, do you want to understand your hormone levels, endocrine system? It's a great book for that. And it really has been a, um, has been a great book for me to learn about what I'm going through with pregnancy as well as what I went through with an addiction. Yeah. And I think the more, you know, the more you can help set yourself up for success. Um, and so I think that was, that's a great book. And the last one, actually this one is even before Moody Bitches, but uh-huh. Quiet. So the book Quiet, um, Purpose Driven Life was one of my transition days in the Marine Corps. Quiet, I read two years ago and go back to it quite a bit. Um, it's written by Susan Cain, I think. 
can't quite remember, but it's, it's a pretty popular book. It's about introversion and extroversion. And I think in that book, like it kind of helps me feel, okay, I'm not alone here. I'm, I'm very introverted. Yeah. Um, wow. which is people would never guess that right. about me. Yeah. But I need quiet. <laughs> like I need quiet, I need stillness, I need calm. And for the first time in my life, you know, as I, I started meditating two years ago, I'm like, holy crap, this works. Like, oh my gosh, I, after teaching mobility wide for two days straight, like I need a day, I need a day to myself. Yeah, I no can't question. go straight back into treating. Yep. But I didn't quite understand why my brain was just like, couldn't calm down. And so I think that book for me was very helpful to just be like, you're, you're not crazy. You, <laughs> you just need quiet. I've seen that book. I, I don't have yeah. it, but I've, I've seen that, you know, I'm always like on Amazon, you know, a book will catch my eye and I, I know I've seen that somewhere. So it's a very, I would recommend it for anyone who, who is introverted, even extroverted. Just it, it's the science, there's science stuff in it too, which I, I like. Excellent. Just like with moody bitches, it's, it's, you know, you don't want to tell your friend, Hey, read this book, moody bitch. Cause they're going to be like, well, are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> but it, but if you want to learn about, Hey, depression, anxiety, birth control, all these things that go on hormonally with women, even a, you know, someone's husband should, should read it or partner because it's, you just learn the, the, the ebb and flow of emotion that yeah. come in and, and it's, and it helps the part, the couple to accept the ups and downs a little bit better because they know they're, they're for a reason. So I like the science stuff. <laughs> nice. Yeah, me too. So one final question, but anything else that you'd like to mention that we didn't talk about uh, before I, I ask my final question? No, I think we covered quite a bit. Okay. So cool. yeah, cool. Right. good to go. Good deal. So the final question, since you've heard the show before, but what's an action for the audience after hearing our interview here today? An action that I would like the audience to do. Yes. I'd actually like you all to, at some point during today, lay on your back and straighten your legs out or keep your knees bent and just put one hand on the belly, one hand on the chest and breathe and take notice of what's happening in your belly and chest, what's moving first. And as you take notice of it, start to try to fill the belly up first like a balloon when you inhale. And when you exhale, just relax. That's what I want you to do. Three minutes. Three minutes. And if you're, if you really want to get extra credit, do it for the next 30 days straight. Wow. Three minutes. Wow. <laughs> three days straight. That's yeah. Good. That's good. Do it. You'd be surprised what that does for your body. Yeah. Your mind. I, I agree. Totally. And my commitment right now is that I am 100% going to do this before I go to bed tonight. Um, awesome. Today is... Today's an off training day for me. So I'll just, I'm going to do this before I go to bed tonight. And if you're hearing this, then I want you to do the same thing. Three minutes, do exactly what Teresa just said and simple. And if you want to go for the extra credit, I love that. Try it for 30 days. Yes. So cool. Sorry. Teresa, this has been great. Thank you so awesome. much. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the show this week. Needless to say, I was very humbled that uh, Dr. Larson was a listener of this podcast. Very excited to hear that. So I appreciate you being here this week. And uh, I've got a lot of free giveaways at Ardella Training. One of them is the Kettlebell Impact Report with 12 proven powerful kettlebell training sessions. 
If you'd like to grab that free report right now, make sure to go to ardellatraining.com forward slash impact. Again, guys, thank you for being here this week, and we'll talk again soon. Take care.